L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. Uh, They call me Ben. You are you. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. A show that looks at... uh, How how would you say we treat the stuff we look at, guys? With contempt! (laughs) (laughs) Everything. No, we look at all things, I believe, in a manner which would place us at the center of them, like thinking about it. Okay, well, if uh, if we're talking about witches, Mm -hmm. we're going to imagine, well, what if I truly believed that this was true? Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, what if I believed this is complete hogwash? What if my mother was a witch? Then you would be part witch, right? That'd be pretty sweet. It's like that old Mr. Show joke where they find out that somebody's part old. Mm. (laughs) It's true. Well, we talk about stuff that would be uh, often uh, things that are covered in the fringes of mainstream society. We talk about mysteries like Elias Lamb. We talk about 
allegations of the paranormal, government cover-ups, we talk about, in short, a lot of things that people would have you believe are conspiracy theories. I love that move, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that's yours. <laughs> no, you made it up. No, but I'm giving it to you. Oh, I mean, the, yeah. it's the people's move. You know, the word that comes to mind for me, I hope, is is not a reach, but is measured. You know, I feel like we try to see both sides of an issue or a story or whatever you want to call it and try to put ourselves in the shoes of people on both sides of an argument. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a lot of fun doing it. We like, want to understand. Like that Guidestone precept, tempered reason. Tempered there reason. go. Oh. So we've we've looked at some very, very strange stuff, whether or not uh, we believe – Aspects of it are true or, or whether we believe they're false and, and uh, look behind the curtain here, folks. Uh, Noel and Matt and I don't always agree at, on something, you know, uh, which is hopefully, uh, something good for the show. We are friends. We do actually hang out outside of this studio. You say that like people don't believe you. I know. Seriously. <laughs> we have a mandatory meetup, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mandatory fun. <laughs> Mandatory morale. <clears throat> but no, man, today's topic is uh is 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 a doozy. Is yes. a fringy a fringy doozy. Mm-hmm. One thing that we we get so many emails and tweets and letters about or people will find us in a bar and ask us to do something about is lizard people. We've yes. never covered it. We've never covered lizard people what what's the belief here what do we mean when we say this uh well it's the belief that the controllers of this world you can call them anything you like the illuminati sure is a a go a good go-to well they're essentially a group of shape-shifting reptilian humanoids let's call them babylonian brotherhood all right who are propelling humanity towards this global fascist state of control over every aspect of the entire planet. Oh, is that all? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's called the New World Order. You may have heard of it. It's a wrestling thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wrestling thing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, you have probably heard of this. Now, we're, we're very fortunate um, to have a very diverse group of people who listen to this show, you know, um, some of you listening right now probably consider yourself hardcore diet in the wool skeptics. Some of you consider yourselves, you know, uh, having an insight that a lot of the rest of the world either ignores or is brainwashed into not believing. The point is, no matter where you find yourself falling on that kind of false dichotomy or, or that spectrum, you have probably heard of someone saying the the lizard people phrase, uh, mm-hmm. usually to try to discredit uh, another conspiracy theory. So someone a few years ago is saying, uh, well, I think that there's some pretty rampant corruption in uh, federal level Department of Justice stuff, right? Or I think that HSBC, I use that example all the time, mm. is running money for drug cartels. And in you're crazy. In, yeah, in the media, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, where's your tinfoil hat?" Listen, that's an international bank, all right, not some kind of criminal organization. You, I bet you believe in lizard people too, right? Look at this Jamoke; he believes in lizard people, and that's <laughs> that's a that's an effort to diminish or discredit the validity of a unrelated claim 
And that's where a lot of people hear stuff like the lizard people theory. I, I mean, let's be honest. It, it sounds pretty crazy. It does indeed. So where did the idea come from? Have you guys seen that, that, uh, TV miniseries? It was actually remade. It's called V. Yes. I've seen both mm-hmm. incarnations. Don't you feel like that's, uh, on this subject a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting because that's the listeners who haven't seen it. It's basically yeah. about, uh, an invading force of, uh, lizard reptilian aliens who mm. wear human skin and more or less infiltrate society. Yeah. They're benevolent. People know they're aliens, but they wear human skin to make so, us feel better. Yeah. To yeah. make us feel better. And they're after the water. Mm. I think it's the water they're after. Do you remember, Noel? I think it is the water. It's yeah, the water. I think you're right. Yeah, there's some line where like you have no idea how precious this resource is. Gosh. Uh, but the um, the myth, the trope of lizard people or serpent men uh, is is even older than that. The first appearance that I found of uh, so-called serpent men was from this piece of literature I found called The Shadow Kingdom, which was a story written by Robert E. Howard which was published in Weird Tales in 1929. And this guy, Howard, by the way, he is known for creating Conan the Barbarian, which is pretty Mm -hmm. cool. And Weird Tales, by the way, Ben, I think you got me onto some of this stuff, these old Mm -hmm. uh, science fiction short stories Mm -hmm. or collections of stories. Yes, that is one of the best examples. The Shadow Kingdom is one of the best examples of modern Serpent men are a race of serpent men. Uh, we have earlier mythological examples that are usually deities of some mm-hmm. sort and they're reptile-ish, you know, like, uh, there's, for instance, uh, a half man, half snake king of Athens, you know. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's a, there, there are really creative ones like Typhon, the father of all ma- monsters in Greek mythology. From the waist up, he's a dude. From the waist down, he's a mass of seething vipers. So, Ugh. so we have this melding of mammalian and reptilian things. Um, well, it makes sense because the dominant type of animal on this planet before humans came around, before mammals came around, were reptiles. Right. Yeah. And then there's the other idea. There's the very. Uh, it's a very strange idea that came about in the 80s as well, right? Yeah, in 1982, a curator at the National Museum of Canada in Ottawa, uh, a Dale A. Russell, proposed that if the dinosaur genus Troodon, which is a relatively small group of creepy bird-like dinosaurs, if you guys, if I told you guys about my bird aversion, oh yes, we're no, aware. Please. So the more <laughs> the more people start talking about how dinosaurs were probably all birds, the more yeah. I'm like glad they. Good job, Comet. Whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. don't want them, don't need them. Any bird lovers out there, I feel for you. You be you. I'm going to steer clear. Anyway, so if that small group of creepy birdie dinosaurs had not been eliminated 65 million years ago, in theory, it could have, over that period of time, evolved into a class of intelligent bipedal humanoids with a body shape similar to human beings. Um, uh, well, yeah. And, of course, this was just a thought experiment. Or was it? Was it? <laughs> so a lot of his colleagues and people who worked – you know, in the same field as him, thought that uh, Mr. Russell was just wrong. M- Mr. Dale A. Russell was wrong because they were saying they would have involved evolved 
in a much similar way that it existed currently or at the time that it existed where it was still walking around on two legs, but it was hunched over, you know, like that 90 degree angle that sure. most dinosaurs uh-huh. are in and it still would have used its snout to do most things. As it's like than main appendage. Yeah. It just would have been smart. Well, th- this is interesting because it shows people have been thinking about this for a long time and there there is uh there is a group of people and we'll talk about this in detail who in the modern day believe that the world is a vampire sent to train god why am i quoting smashing pumpkins it's just in the air man <laughs> it's just in the air okay but they they believe that the um the world is to some degree controlled by this hidden cabal of people who are either possessed by spirits or not entirely human Today, the person most closely associated with this belief is a man named David Icke, and he is the subject of today's show. You've probably heard of David Icke, or you may, you, you may have heard of him, but not known what he's about. He's a very striking character. You can find him on YouTube now. He's around. Yeah. He's got an active Twitter. He is, uh, I, I actually was kind of surprised. He is a a very anti-Trump guy. Yes. Mm Um, I, I sort of likened him to a sort of an Alex Jones figure in a way in my mind. Um, but as I started digging more into his backstory and his biography, you know, while they do have similar thought processes, let's say, mm-hmm. they couldn't be more different ideologically. Yeah, they don't there, – there are a lot of things that they fundamentally disagree upon. Uh, David Icke was born in 1952 on April 29th and uh, he – was, uh, in the beginning, a professional footballer. So yes. for us Yanks, that means he was just a professional soccer player. And since the 1990s or so, he's made his name as a professional conspiracy theorist. That's what all the mainstream will call them. Uh, his own phrasing, he describes himself as a full-time investigator into who and what is really controlling the world. So how do we get there? The answer, the TLDR, too long didn't read about it, is ultimately arthritis. And that's weird, but that's where it starts. Arthritis ended his career as a professional footballer. And then in 1973, he got a job as a reporter uh, with a local weekly paper. And then he moved on and eventually did work with BBC Radio as their soccer reporter, their football reporter, then worked his way up until he was working in radio. He's a sports broadcaster, he's a journalist. And so for the beginning of his career in the public sphere, he was not known as a conspiracy theorist, quote unquote, at all. But then something happened. We go back to that pesky arthritis and in the 1980s, um, he he was looking for a way to treat his arthritis, right? So he looked to alternative medicine, as you do if you're not getting pain relief from the current established medicine. Sure. It happens. A lot of people do this. Well, this led him to the Green Party. Like the Ralph Nader Green Party? It's essentially, yes, except this time not uh, in the United States. Now, he became pretty prominent amongst that Green Party. Uh, people were calling him the Tony Blair of his party. Pretty cool. Yeah, and, and instead of one uh, one head person there, they have four principal speakers. He began to attend high-profile events, is advocating for, you know, Green Party issues like environmental stuff and, and human rights. But despite his success, he was experiencing immense 
personal problems. Still had arthritis, was in depths of despair, and he began to feel what he described as a presence around him. According to Ike, he was in a hotel room in March of 1990 and finally fed up with all of these mounting problems and troubles and, you know, emotional concerns, pain that he was in. He exclaimed to the universe, is there anybody here? Will you please contact me because you are driving me up the wall? Quote, end quote. And then a response came. It's three in the morning. Go to sleep. The ways of the universe are mysterious indeed, as well as neighbors. We're kidding about that part, but the true story is, according to his account, a few days later, he heard a voice guide him towards some books. One of these books was called Mind to Mind, written by a self-professed psychic healer named Betty Shine. He read this book. And he wrote to her eventually, requesting a, a meeting on the subject of his arthritis. They got on. He visited Shine several times. There was one meeting in March of 1990 where he says he felt something like a spider's web on his face. And Shine told him that that meant she had a message from someone named Wang Yi Li of the spirit world. It oh, seems man. like a bit of a Wang Yi leap to me. Yeah. <laughs> A wangy quantum leap, but it really does. But here was the message: David Ikeyi was no ordinary former footballer, no ordinary sports journalist. He had been sent to heal the earth, she said. Shine said, uh, and would become famous, but would face opposition. The spirit world was going to pass ideas to him, which he would speak about to others. He would write five books in three years. In 20 years, a new flying machine would allow people to go wherever they wanted and time would have no meaning. There would be earthquakes in unusual places because the inner earth was being destabilized by the resource extraction, oil specifically. So things escalated kind of quickly there, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, in February of 1991, he visited a pre-Incan burial ground in Peru and he felt drawn to a particular circle of waist-high stones and then he was hit, he was struck with two thoughts that people would be talking about this in a hundred years and that it, whatever it was, would be over when it rained. His body, he writes that his body shook and all these ideas poured into him and then rain started and the experience ended. And so he felt that this triggered a higher level of consciousness. Dude, if only something like that would happen to me. That has never happened to you? Not yet. You've never had a, like a revelation? Not like that. Not where rain is involved and like my body is physically responding to some kind of energy. Three times this week for me. What? Yeah. Lightning? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, like, was it lightning? Do you see the singes on my hoodie? <sighs> I just feel like if you see somebody violently shaking, then you should help. Right? Yeah. All right. Well, especially if you're amid what waist high stones in a special like holy place, that is well. This that is, is also, cool. Well, let's be fair too. This is also, in many ways, this is a revelation or an epiphany is an inner event. Yes. You know? Yes. And it would be unfair to say that somebody is. I, I'm just. I'm very hesitant to cast doubt or aspersion on somebody's inner belief. You know I'm I mean? certainly, yeah, no, I agree. And I'm 
not I don't mean to cast doubt on it in that way. I just mean it's an incredible thing. And you've never you've and feel I, like you haven't experienced it. Yes. But I want to. We could probably put something like that together. <laughs> I'm sure I could, you know, save up one of my bi weekly yeah. epiphanies for you. All right. Matt. So inspired by this and this higher plane of consciousness, um I wanna I want to emphasize that we are we are giving information here without telling you if we think it's true or not. Mm-hmm. This is his account. So David Icke began to wear uh, almost exclusively turquoise. He also felt he had been channeling for some time and he received a message via automatic writing. Automatic writing, for anyone who's unfamiliar, is when, you know, Noel or Matt or I would take – pen and paper or even, you know, a typewriter or something and have ourselves guided by some otherworldly presence to create messages. So we we would essentially be another extension of the pen or the pencil, but the author would be something else, just sort of using us as an instrument. Yeah, the idea is you put the pen to the paper or the fingers to the typewriter and you just go – and whatever happens, happens. You don't look at it. You don't right. actively try and write something. And this is this is very important because for people who b- believe this, for for Ike, then it the stuff that arrives via automatic writing is not his idea. That's very very important. It's not him. It's something telling him something. Mm-hmm. So what he found via automatic writing was this message that he was, and this is another quote a son of the Godhead. And in 1991, he resigned from the Green Party and he told them he was about to be at the center of a tremendous and increasing controversy. Now, the members of the party, to be fair, did not know maybe what he was talking about. Perhaps they thought he was going to take a controversial, hardline stand on an environmental issue or something. Something personal in his love life or something like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it could have been anything, yeah. you know, uh, because the stakes are high at that level of politics. But people admired him and he was met with standing ovation. And a week later, he holds a press conference. Where he makes the announcement. I am the son of a godhead. And that is not an announcement that goes over uh, easily for a lot of people. And that's not the only thing he said. Furthermore, he said, he, he disclosed several other predictions that had arrived to him via automatic writing. Stuff like the world's going to end in 1997. There will be uh, hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico and New Orleans, eruptions in Cuba, disruption in China, and then an earthquake on the Isle of Man. L.A. will become an island. New Zealand New Zealand will disappear. And a few more things. This attracted, as you could imagine, a lot of attention. And Ike was eventually invited to various interviews. And one of them was a primetime talk show on BBC. It was on a show called Wogan on April 29th, 1991. And this was the most damaging. This was another fulcrum, uh, another crucible for David Ike. Yeah, this is tough to watch. You can pull up a clip of it if you want. Uh, and this is roughly what happened. So Wogan introduced the 1991 segment with, quote, the world as we know it is about to end. That's not uh, 
inflammatory sounding at all. And uh, David oh. Icke comes out wearing a turquoise like jump suit right. kind of looking thing. Because he wears turquoise now. Yeah. They call this shell suit. Well, as it turns out, uh, the, ho- the host was, was poking a little fun at our boy David Icke. And the audience responded in kind with uproarious laughter. Um, and Icke sort of hedged around the question of whether or not he was the son of God, replying that Jesus would have been laughed at too. Um, and then repeating that Britain would soon be devastated by tidal waves and earthquakes. And you can really feel in the this gravity. interview, you no. feel the gravity and you can feel that David Icke seems to truly believe it, at least when I'm watching it. And it, the interviewer is hostile. Yeah. Very much so. And, and yeah, it, trying to parade him around like a buffoon, like, right. like, like meant to be the subject of derision, you or know? Ridicule. Yeah. And on the same coin though, it does sound crazy. Like it does seem like that's the reaction you should have as a journalist or you know a presenter of a thing. Fair enough, but it's right? opportunistic at best yeah. to take a true believer like that and and parade them around and make them look foolish. It's exploitative. It's, it's it really it really feels, it's a very hurtful thing to watch. However you feel about this man and his opinions, yeah, I think that's a very fair thing to say. And so. Ike was surviving through this interview and he said laughter was the best way to remove negativity. The interviewer kept, you know, kind of bullying him and said, but they're laughing at you. They're not laughing with you. And yeah, this was devastating for the guy. Um, the BBC was even criticized for allowing it to go on, which is, you know, a point. I think they felt the same way that you pointed out, which was the point about exploitation. So Ike disappeared from public life. It was the talk of the newspapers at the mm-hmm. time. This is back when all people, you know, would read newspapers and it was called a media crucifixion. And I'm not a hundred percent on this, on whether this next event was sincere or whether it was meant to be ironic, in which case it would be a form of bullying. In May of 1991, police were called to Ike's home because a crowd of over a 100 people were outside chanting, we want the Messiah and give us a sign, David. See, this is a known person, right, in the public sphere who goes on a show and makes this big announcement. Then a month later, you have young people who are either hungry for, you know, something like this to be true, and especially if it's someone they look up to, I can imagine them being sincere, uh, the the younger people yeah. out there doing that. Yeah. And but, also, yeah, they were younger people. They were youth, youths, mm-hmm. as they're described. Also, kids can be mean. But yeah, either true. way, this was another crucial tipping point. Here we had once a respected mainstream media figure, and now he was – set upon this path to become ultimately one of the world's most well-known fringe commentators, otherwise known as conspiracy theorists. But when we talk about this, we've, okay, so we've looked at the path mm-hmm. that this, that this guy took and the realizations he feels like he had the, um, the way that the mainstream media treated him or the way that the, his contemporaries treated him. But what, what does he actually believe? What is his stuff that's so crazy? What's going on with this lizard people thing? We'll find out right after a word from our sponsor. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? 
How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. And we're back. David Ike's beliefs. Let's just start with the biggest one. No need to stand on ceremony. The biggest one is the idea that modern civilization is controlled by an elite that is either comprised of reptilians, alien reptilians, or people possessed by the spirits of these creatures. Although Ike is the most well-known popularizer of this concept, most people believe he originally derived it from a guy named Zacharias Stitchin and uh, someone else named Ruza Mazulu Credo Mutwa. Well, bonus points for the pronunciation, Ben. Oh, well, we'll see. Good we'll luck see. Googling you. that one, guys. <laughs> All right. I will put it on our social media uh, for anybody who's looking for the spelling. According to Ike, these uh, reptilians are tall, blood-drinking, shape-shifting reptilian humanoids from the Alpha Draconis star system, and they're now hiding in underground bases. And in plain sight. And in plain sight. Similar in a way to uh, V, the series V, as Noel mentioned, or to uh, one of my favorite films, They Live. Mm, John Carpenter, 1988, son. That was very impassioned, Matt. I thought you were angry at me for <laughs> a second. No, you got to put the sunglasses on. You guys on. can't see it, but... 
Matt like fist pumped. And <laughs> have you guys have seen you. all the they live memes popping around now with the mm-hmm. current administration? Well, yes. it's a, there's new they live memes. Um, I think we, there's just ones like with, you know, Kellyanne Conway and, uh, you know, some of the, uh, spokespeople as the creatures. Yeah. Kind of like doing like a, like a flash and then they, they've changed yeah. and then back, you know, yeah, I don't know. I feel you, like yeah. I saw one with, um, Hillary Clinton and John Podesta too. Hmm. But I'm I not mean, sure. You'll have to catch me outside I'm, on that one. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the, uh, of the they live memes and also for everyone. Uh, Nolan and I took a second during our ad break to, to hit Matt to cash me outside. I had never seen it. How about never that? heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> How about that indeed? Uh, so, so Ike's, uh, I, David Ike's belief is that most of the world's leaders are related to these creatures, these beings. So he said, you know, George W. Bush, other former presidents, of course, and, uh, even Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom. These theories have supporters in up to 47 countries and he's given lectures, long yes. lectures, which he's famous for, to crowds of thousands of people. And here's uh, – I found an interesting poll. It says registered voters in the US, 4% of the population of the US or population registered voters agree with David Icke. They're saying, well, things are already so strange – why not reptilians? Why, you know what? Why not? And I wonder how many of those, you know, it's, it's tough to ascribe motive, like how many of those people were ironically mm-hmm. or dare I say dickishly or just had no idea what it was. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's tough to account for that, those kinds of numbers. And so one of the things you may have heard, maybe we buried the lead here is the idea of shape shifting. Yes, because like we said, these uh, reptilians can hide in plain sight, according to David Icke. There is video evidence that he points to of people shape-shifting. And when you look at this evidence, in my opinion, as a video editor, what I see mm-hmm. are artifacting in the videos, uh, much like some of the glitching video stuff you've been working on, Noel, where it's pieces of an image that then meld into the mm-hmm. pixels of the next images that are coming up. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Sometimes it happens... Not on purpose. Exactly. Especially if you're doing some kind of live broadcast with sure. video, sometimes those changes. Bandwidth can get choked, you know, mm-hmm. and that causes Weird things happen. So that's what I see when he's talking about shape-shifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what David Icke believes he's seeing is a human, uh, like almost peeling away the, the human part mm-hmm. to see either reptilian eyes, reptilian teeth, or sometimes in the cheeks or the entire face. Looks reptilian and strange. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing in V too. Just want to bring that back again. I mean, that is what they do. They literally have these human masks and they peel them off and they reveal their reptilian true forms. Mm-hmm. So rather than explaining what David Icke believes about shape-shifting reptilians, we're just going to play a clip from a video called How Shape-Shifting Works that's posted on David Icke's YouTube channel. Not on HowStuffWorks.com. Correct. Now, one of the hardest things that people have to understand, and I completely um, appreciate it, is this idea of shape-shifting. Now, it's an ancient, um, it's an ancient uh, thing in terms of accounts all over the world, not just shape-shifting between human and reptilian, but shape-shifting between um, human and many different forms, animal forms, etc. People perceive it because we're so locked into this, this reality is real. It's like a human, physical, solid human body transforming into a solid reptilian body and then back again. Because I've spoken to people all over the world, vast numbers now, who have seen this phenomenon of seeing someone, a human, suddenly transform into a reptilian figure and then come back again. And the ancient accounts talk about the same thing. And um, people think, hey, it's impossible, mate. How could, you, how could a body change into another body? I mean, the person would die, wouldn't they? Well, that's not what's happening. The only place that the physical reptilian form and the physical human form exist is in here. When their energetic form is decoded into a holographic, apparently physical form. So when something's shape-shifting, it shifts in the decoding mechanism by which we decode different energy fields. It's literally like changing a television channel. So it's, it's, a de- it's in the decoding that shape-shifting takes place. Because there is no physical form out there. It's in here. That's where it all goes on. Okay, so that's 
for me, a little tough to wrap my head around. Um, the idea of our brains are constantly decoding the energy messages that are coming or the energy fields around us, which is true with light. Light goes in your eye. Sure. Your brain is telling you what mm-hmm. is, you know, that Ben Bolin and, and Noel Brown are sitting in front of me. Same thing with everything we hear and touch and taste, all of our senses. Yes. So the argument that he is making or the position that he appears to be taking here is that the the entity or the object of regard, whatever mm-hmm. is being sensed or perceived, is the same. It doesn't actually change. What changes, why the shape appears to shift is uh, because of a change in the perceptive, perception abilities of the brain, right? Yes, but in this case, a lot of times we're talking about a video signal. Which is the next, the next interesting part because if it were a change in perception of the viewer, then logically what would follow would be that – Three, the three of us could watch the same video and had our perceptive ability shifted, see three different things. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's an interesting proposition and it gets into a little bit of philosophy, but it doesn't completely explain, like, unless the camera, the recording equipment also experiences some kind of perceptive shift, then, you know, the next question would be, Let's, let's assume that happens. The next question would be, well, why is it still out there? If these people are that powerful, is YouTube like the last bastion of humanity? Yes. I don't know, man. <laughs> We've talked about it before. There's a big difference between don't be evil and be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, you know, you're, you're right about that. Certainly. Why would they allow it to be there? Maybe because it seems ridiculous. You know, like maybe if it is true, the way you stop it from being a thing is by letting people think it. Or maybe you're one of them. Well, I mean, I don't, I've seen my face in a black light and it is truly horrifying. Why do you fall asleep whenever we're in the sun? Well, I mean, it's cozy. <laughs> Why do you have that clutch of weirdly shaped eggs under your desk? My babies? Don't mess with my babies. <laughs> But this, this is, you know, our attempt to show from his perspective what he's saying because, you know, a lot of people would, would assume, and I, I certainly assumed in the beginning, uh, before we dug into this, I assumed that he meant that people were, you know, in some like lycanthropic style, similar mm-hmm. to lycanthropy, lycanthropy. Um, I guess it would be herpanthropy if they're changing into snakes i don't know well he when he goes into discussing why this is happening and how it's been happening he discusses ancient depictions of lycanthropy and how you know we there are there are records of humans shape-shifting over the years that are written down in all of these native you know languages native native tongues so what what exactly gives the reptilian people a leg up over humanity? I mean, I know there's this idea that they've been around for longer and perhaps had more time to evolve technologically. Sure. Is that is that the basis of what we're talking about here? Yeah, the idea would be that it ties into ancient mythology. So whether it's Eric von Daniken or 
um, any number of ancient alien type writers, the argument is, is very similar. And the argument there is that the things that were mistaken for deities or gods or, um, angels or demons were ultimately extra dimensional or, uh, extraterrestrial beings. So uh, sometimes both, sometimes both. And so the argument that Ike is making is that these reptilians were functioning as what we would call the Anunnaki in Abrahamic literature and that, and in other myths around the world. And that what they were doing was creating hybrid races, uh, of man or creating, you know, half lizard, half human things. Uh, and this ties into something that, that you probably know the most about, uh, amidst the three of us, Matt, which is another one of his beliefs, the Saturn cult control system. Gotta tell you. Or SCCS. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Gotta tell you. Uh, I can attest that I've only watched about an hour of, uh, stuff on this that David Icke has, has put out there. He's got. On his YouTube channel. On his YouTube channel again. Uh, trying to study it as though I'm taking a class or something. And my goodness, taking notes, it, you go down the rabbit hole quickly when you're watching one of these. Sh- sh- should we play a little snippet? Sure. This is from the video, Saturn isn't what you think it is either. Um, just a reminder, Saturn um, may appear to be what it is in the holographic world, that, but actually, again, it's an information field. It is a consciousness um, everything is aware, everything has a consciousness. So these um, planets and suns, they have consciousness, they have awareness, they are entities in their own right. Saturn is the key to understanding uh, so much. Uh, it was known as the old sun, it is known in a cult as the old sun, the dark sun and the dark lord, the lord of the rings. And the massive penny drop for me Whoa, the kaleidoscope moved when I started to realize that at least so many, if not all, the ancient sun gods were not gods of the sun we know today, but of the Saturn sun that was focused on before because it was in a different position. I suggest that there are rings that we can see, but there are sound rings that we can't see that are coming out across and we're picking them up. They make something appear to happen that does not actually happen. They can induce a virtual reality experience. The Saturn matrix, as I call it, is a frequency band which we are decoding as a fake reality. And I suggest, my view, we will find that the edge of that frequency band is what we call the speed of light. And beyond it, you go out of the matrix. Okay, so what I'm getting from that is that he believes all these religions, secret societies, banking institutions, everything, it's all ruled, quote, astrologically by Saturn, and that these ancient sun gods were not actually gods of the sun, but of Saturn, um, because Saturn was essentially in a different position. Uh, basically, Saturn, Mars, and Earth were much closer together. They were aligned in some way to where eclipses looked differently. The, uh, our sun, the one we know as a sun, interacted differently with this other sun that was Saturn. It's a lot to wrap your head around, but, um. Sounds like some of those philosophy classes I used to take in college. <laughs> kind of, but he is matching it up with symbols. 
at least. Well, I guess I just mean in terms of like representation versus physicality. You know what I mean? Like how maybe everything we see is just being projected on a screen. You know? Plato's cave. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Just like that. Truman Show, baby. Yeah, kind of. But, but yeah, but what he's saying that these, all of these different symbols, they all match up from these ancient civilizations, but they go right up to nowadays with like the great seal of the United States. With the United Nations, their their seal, uh, the Rothschild family, Freemasons, the Catholic Church, even Madonna when she's performing at Super Bowl halftime shows, um, and all what about Lady Gaga. I'm sure. I'm sure. I have not seen anything yet from him about that. Performance. Actually, Alex Jones said it's a, it was an Illuminati satanic ritual when he was on the Rogan show. Maybe. Boy, he was uh, on he, fire. He, he was drunk. The euphemism we like to use is charming. <laughs> yes. I was going to say turnt. He yeah, got he, turnt. He, he was a little too charming to drive. Dude straight up brought up interdimensional aliens. I've never heard him talk about that before. Well, now it's now it's out there. Yeah. And tune in and check that out if you're uh, if you're a fan of this show, you'll probably enjoy the Joe Rogan show as well. Furthermore, I'd ask why you haven't checked it out yet. Yes. Uh cuz we're we're fans of we're fans of that show. What are some so there's the argument is that ultimately there's a secret religion here yes. at play. Yes. So what are some examples of the symbols that he's commenting? Oh on? yeah, those symbols he brings out. There's the crescent and circle, circle and cross, six pointed star, twin pillars, horns of any sort uh, that are used as a symbol, spiders, black cubes, and the numbers six, eight, and fifteen. And there's probably twenty others that he goes through and lists in the beginning of that video. That, and shows you how they match up with these ancient symbols and how they represented Saturn. And now they continue to represent Saturn, but they're even like the Bentley logo with the wings. I'm just – I okay. So here's the thing. It, those symbols, while, are, while sure, are commonplace in different parts of the world and in different parts of our timeline, are symbols that could stand for a variety of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like the swastika, you know, is is now forever in the minds of Westerners going to be a symbol of atrocity. But for thousands of years before, it was pretty much a, a philosophical, nice, peaceful thing. So again, yeah. in Buddhism, right? Yeah. yeah. You can find it in theosophy too. Ah, theosophy. All right. All right. We'll do theosophy. We'll do it later. We'll, we'll do, it do it later. later. Yeah, okay. we'll do it later. Uh, so these are these are some of his beliefs. These are some of the ones that the the world at large would say are the most strange. And we know from the interview that that we've mentioned, uh, we know from some of the clips what most of the world or what people would call the mainstream media um, think of David Icke. But what's the fringe opinion? Uh, it shouldn't be a surprise. To anyone who follows this stuff, that there are people who would consider themselves conspiracy theorists that accuse him of being active disinformation, and this is the same thing that's been leveled at uh, Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Jones, as as Noel pointed out earlier, is uh, ideologically very, very different in comparison to David Icke, but they both received those criticisms. There's no ar- there's no arguing that Ike has massive support or at least massive attention. He's a prolific author. His publishing proceeds alone number in the millions of pounds, which is why some people would say, you know, do you believe what you are saying? Do you honestly believe it? 
or is this some sort of performance to make a buck? Well, let's know? not forget too that like typically the term conspiracy theorist is not one of endearment, but one of abuse. And, yeah, and no, no one would ever call themselves a conspiracy theorist. No, it, it, it is uh, diminutive. You know, it, it sort of uh, takes away from whatever work you're you're doing. Right. Ever since, ever since the U.S. federal government put out secret documents, this is proven. You can Google it now. I mean, don't do it if you're driving or whatever. But they put out secret documents to media um, media outlets in the wake of the JFK assassination saying, this is the official story. Anybody who violates the official story, make sure to call them a conspiracy theorist. That is where it began becoming a pejorative was yep. in PR. Uh, I think at, at, at most we've called ourselves conspiracy realists. That's um, my favorite. But but yeah, you're absolutely right. No, it's a it's a pejorative, and to the majority of the world, David Icke is not taken seriously. And critics have painted him as everything from someone who cynically exploits the credulous, playing on their fears and concerns to make cash, to someone who is genuinely deluded. You know, yeah. someone who might have they would say that he might have a mental problem. But the thing is. He's not always wrong. No. I think we should dig into that bit after a quick sponsor break. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, here's where it gets crazy. The rumors are true. There are times where people believe that David Icke was correct. Many of his supporters contend that he's been correct about several different events over the course of his conspiratorial or fringe commentating career. One would be people believe that he predicted 9-11. What he actually said was that there was going to be a disaster in the U.S. sometime in like a two or three year span. So he predicted a disaster, but that's a world away from predicting 9-11 or something yeah. to that specificity, right? And then it's kind of like the uh, – what I sometimes call the Nostradamus pro problem. Yeah, I mean you can call a, a real bad storm a disaster. Right. You know, anything that requires humanitarian aid could be considered a disaster right. to not be specific enough in saying two planes will be hijacked and hit two specific buildings. You know what I mean? Like, it's, Yeah, you could call like your least favorite artist's next album a disaster. The Super Bowl was a disaster. The Super Bowl was a disaster. Uh, yeah, rise up. I don't even care about football, and that was an awful day. You know, somebody bet one, uh, bet five million dollars on the Falcons. <gasps> apparently, the first half of the game, they were out there uh, on bought three chat and stuff, <laughs> talking about how they had it in the bag. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, man, my heart goes out to you or what passes for one with my anatomy. Um, the other thing – so there's this Nostradamus problem, this vague prediction. What – like how do we define a disaster? Nostradamus, of course, um, popularly known for his, uh, the quatrains he wrote, which depending on how they are translated, that's a big thing, uh, purport to predict Important events. I think we talked about it in the past in previous episodes, but I read one translation where one of the quatrains was in 1996, build your house with wooden sticks, 
for war and fire will sweep over the land. Life will be safe for nary a man or something mm, like that. That's from the Three Little Pigs, dude. That's from the Three Little Pigs? <laughs> the Coppola version? Yeah. <laughs> the Three Little Pigs are in Armageddon. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the point is, um, you know, I read that when I was a kid and I was like, no wonder. 1996, I thought, oh man, it's the end. I'm not even going to get a shot at anything. I'm not going to ever like make out or like do cool drugs or smuggle anything, you know, not that I, uh, not, not that I'm, I'm saying people should go out and do that stuff. But the, the point is that I was credulous. I was gullible mm-hmm. and I was misled and there was something that was pretty vague. Even if they translate it to sound more specific. And so it's easy for us to think a vague thing is a specific prediction if we want it to be so. But again, and this is the extra twist. If we're looking at this from a matter of our brain's perceptions being the defining characteristic of the world, then does that make it true then if our perception is just changed? You know, it's a, it's a very, it's a very different mindset. It's placing the, the hierarchy of inner opinion above the hierarchy of the outside world, which could lead into another Descartes kind of allegorical Plato conversation. But the point is there are people who believe he was right about 9-11. There are people who believe he was right about the holographic universe theory, which is something that we have briefly touched on the show and something you introduced me to, Matt. Yeah, you just Google Dr. James Gates, and that's literally all you have to do. Dr. James Gates Jr., and uh, you'll find all kinds of information about proving through string theory that, well, not proving yet, but getting pretty darn close to it, that <laughs> everything in the universe is made up of code that was written uh, on Earth in like the, I forget, when in the mid-1900s. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, he's it's it's hard to paraphrase this because I don't understand half of it. Again, we're talking about particle physics. We're talking about supersymmetry. Uh, it's it's stuff that's beyond my understanding. But this guy does a pretty good job of discussing it. And helping you understand it. So Dr. James Gates is the person who believes that he found computer code and quantum strings. Is that yes, correct? Yes. They went down far enough into the architecture of reality to find the building blocks and those building blocks were close to computer code. Yes. That was written on earth that, you know, that existed to create a computer, the which you know begs the question. Well, hey, if that's true, then who made that stuff? And how are we in some kind of weird time warp where we were created, or time loop where we were created, then created ourselves, then created ourselves, then created ourselves? And that's an interesting question because it ties into the idea of whether the universe happened or was created. Yeah, there you go. So it's it leads to very interesting things, which um, – have we done an episode on a holographic universe? We Def- did an episode on Gem and the Holograms. Yep. We did an episode. I can't wait till that one comes out. Synergy was a bad mamma jamma. Synergy. Was that the computer? That was the computer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't – you know, we did a video on it. 
Uh, but uh, what we can do is go through and do an audio version. And I'm just, I just found this talk from April of last year at the Isaac Asimov Memorial debate. And it was all about is the universe a simulation. So I think we can use that and start running. I just figured out how the Mandela effect works. Smart aleck jerks like me say something exists as mm-hmm. a joke and then people remember having heard that and then get to a place where they believe that it actually happened. Done. You mean like how New Zealand doesn't exist? Exactly. We're sorry, guys. We're sorry we made up New Zealand. It was on the we When we originally put it on the map as a joke, it yeah. was on the wrong side of Australia. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. You definitely don't want to be on the wrong side of Australia, y'all. No. No, 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 no. no. Oh, and by the way, thank you to everyone who wrote in. Melbourne. Yes, Melbourne. Brisbane. Brisbane. <laughs> and one other thing. Um, this this is very unpleasant, but this is something that we do need to talk about. So 9-11 predictions may be just a little bit of confirmation bias. Um, a holographic universe is a very fascinating subject. We'd like to touch on in our audio. One thing that he did talk about that was true, and you can call it, you can call it something that finally couldn't be denied anymore, or you could chalk it up to a broken clock being right twice a day. For the younger folks in the crowd, that's an analog clock, not a digital one. Uh, cause they would stop if you get yeah. the picture, you know. <laughs> And that is that there was a widespread, widespread organized pedophilia or child abuse rings in the UK and the US. A lot of people have written to us asking us to look at the Franklin cover up. Uh, a lot of people have written, especially in the wake of, um, the, the monstrous actions of Jimmy Seville. Uh, he maintains that he had been saying this, um, for a long time, since the 90s, that there was a concerted – there was not only um, organized abuse of children but that there were concerted efforts by people to cover it up. Mm-hmm. There is darn near smoking gun evidence that Margaret Thatcher's organization, her, her government, was aware of high-ranking um, members of parliament abusing children and kept the knowledge secret – most likely to blackmail them or to ensure they played ball, sort of the way that the NSA could possibly keep information on high-value targets that it wanted to influence. Same way that it's alleged that the BBC allowed Savile to do his stuff when – because they're making so much money off the guy. Yeah, yeah, very similar. So – People, people will contend that he did not, people will contend that David Icke is pretending that he blew the whistle on Savile when he only did it after the guy died. But if we don't focus on that one person, if we focus on the idea of these organized abuse networks, then the unfortunate truth is that something like them, the unfortunate truth is that there is a truth somewhere Within that, and we're not saying that all the more alarming tales of vast satanic networks are true, but we are saying there are organized, like organized crime 
is not a conspiracy theory. The mafia is not a conspiracy theory, right? The idea of powerful people covering up for each other is not a conspiracy theory. It is a conspiracy, but not a theory. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the idea that you look out for like-minded criminals. Yeah. You know, whatever your crime uh, du jour may be. Right. You steal mustard. There's somebody else in, in your mustard thieving gang. Oh, always. And I'm not, you know, I'm not by any way saying those things are equal to murder or whatever. But the, the problem is that it is true that citizens of European countries, particularly the UK and Belgium, do commonly believe on it's a valid belief too that there are well connected, highly protected child abuse rings in both countries. So, so consider Marc Dutroux in Belgium. The, uh, the case that first off, uh, we talked about this a little bit in the past, but this guy was, uh, convicted ultimately of kidnapping two kids who starved to death. He had probably kidnapped and killed more. Uh, he was working for other people who never really got in trouble. Uh, the, I think it was sentenced to maybe 30 years or something, uh, recently and his trial was going to a standstill. Witnesses were disappearing. Somebody, uh, died in a mattress fire Whoa. that was going to talk about a larger network and the 30,000 people protested in the streets because they thought that someone was covering this up. One of the judges felt their life was threatened and left the case to save their family. I mean that that stuff is that that stuff is not theoretical as horrible and frightening and disgusting as it is and as crazy as some people might think David Icke is on that level he was on to something that sounds like a whole nother episode and I know we just covered that type of abuse and cover-ups in the Catholic Church but that sounds like a whole nother one. I'm not very familiar with that, Ben. Well, there's another one that you keep hearing about uh, of Hollywood that, you know, yeah. there are yeah. reports that have been, you know, years and years mm-hmm. old. Uh, I believe Corey Feldman is one that wrote about it in his, his biography. And kind and, of uh, blamed Corey Haim's death on it. Right. right. And Elijah Wood, I think, mm-hmm. is even – he might not have exactly come out and said that there are cabals of rich and powerful men, but he has said that he felt – he saw as a child actor, got this sense of – Right. Young young actors being passed around at the parties, at the parties and stuff. Which you know, I, I'm not. I don't know exactly right. if this is true, but it would make sense. It's this idea of privileged, rich, powerful men, typically, mm-hmm. you know, colluding with one another to get what they want. It's not the most uncommon thing in the world. Yes, unfortunately. So those are cases where people have said that. David Icke was either onto something or they feel he was correct. He is not, as you can tell through this episode, without controversy. One of the big accusations that he gets, aside from, you know, people thinking he's deluded, are accusations of anti-Semitism. And this was interesting. There's a book considered a hoax document called The Protocols of Zion. This book purports to be a genuine account of uh, a conspiracy to take over the world uh, by by Jewish people, an account by like high place, powerful Jewish people to take over the world. For a long time, people would treat this as though it were real. It's not. It's it's a hoax. It's a fake. And unfortunately, it was used 
by a lot uh, by many people, including governments, to discriminate against and to um, rationalize torture and murder of innocent people. Uh, Henry Ford, by the way, a big fan of that. Uh, but David Icke believes that it's a real book, but he believes – here's the thing. He believes it's written in code. He believes that the every time the book uses the phrase Jews or Jewish, it's code for lizard people. At least that's his defense. So he says he's not anti-Semitic at all. He's anti-elite lizard people. Have you guys yeah. seen the episode in the most recent season of Black Mirror um, where it's sort of about soldiers that are deployed to yeah. take out these reptilian, like more like uh, insect bugs, creatures, right? bugs, zombie-ish, yeah. yeah. Um, spoilers, 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 spoilers. This um, part will spoil it. You've been warned. Don't um, write to us. Well, it turns and out say it was a spoiler. It, it turns out that the soldiers have been conditioned to see basically refugees or people of a different race as these zombie creatures um, through some sort of hypnosis or drugging or I, I can't remember exactly. I think it's hypnosis actually. You mean their um, decoding was different? Exactly. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. So. This seems like a little bit of a hollow argument here for him to say that the Jews are really lizard people. Uh, yeah, there's been all – I was looking through Google uh, just to see what is the latest news about him, uh, Mr. Ike. And what comes up, the top hit, if you search right now as we're recording this, is from a website called jewishnews.timesofisrael.com. And it's – the headline is Calls for Manchester – venue to be fined for hosting David Icke because he has this is a this is like the biggest other than people saying you know calling the guy unbalanced or deluded this is the biggest controversy and the biggest question is okay does he really believe that argument that he's making or is he like trying to backpedal from something mm -hmm. you know what I mean and I <laughs> I'm I'm with I'm with Noel on it I don't think it doesn't match a lot of the other arguments that he made throughout the course of his career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but does he have a history of anti-Semitism? Like it doesn't seem like in the early days and the stuff we talked about that that was necessarily on the table. When did this aspect of his uh, personality the, well, this, pop yeah, up? Yeah, this came after the the um, after the path switched in the in the 90s there. Uh, he also – you know, he very much has um, – uh, what some people call a new age side, right? Yeah, that's how he struck me. It's almost yeah. more like, like, uh, like you said, like he was into all the, the green, you mm -hmm. know, um, alternative medicines mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Like he struck me as much more of a peace, live and let live kind of dude. Yeah. And that's another thing that makes, uh, and that's something that does seem to come across. I got that sense too when I was reading about this. That's another thing that, um, People find controversial about them. So they'll say, oh, you're supporting these treatments that aren't working. So then the idea, uh, you know, like the, the strongest criticism would be people saying, you know, this doesn't work and you're selling it to people in place of or you're recommending it in place of something that could work. Almost like some an argument that might be made against anti-vaxxers. Right, right. Like, yeah, very similar argument. And so now the current news, which uh, Matt just reported for us. Well, that's one piece of it. Mm -hmm. The other one is that he's come out against Trump pretty hard 
saying that uh, Donald Trump is part of the Illuminati, which I guess is expected on one side, but then on the other side, just as we, I think we mentioned last week, maybe that Alex Jones is totally for Trump. In, in he said he would die for Trump. He said he's ready to die for Trump. So they would not be hosting a show together. But how interesting would it be if they did? Right. I wonder what they would. I wonder what their conversation would be like. I, there is a video you can find of David Icke hanging out with Alex Jones on Infowars. If you want to look that up, you can find it. Oh, that's cool. I might check that out. I want to see what they talk about. I gotta say, political ideology uh, opinions aside. If we've had a president that's probably a member of the Illuminati, uh, I would say Trump is, is that guy. It's funny because a lot of people were saying, you know, a, a lot of Trump supporters were saying that there is an Illuminati. The people who believe in it are saying that there is one and that he is being vilified because he's not a yeah. member of that status quo. That's exactly what Alex Jones said on, on Rogan. He's like, he's fighting against it. I just want, Look, I've guys, I search stuff about the Illuminati so often. I even go to libraries and look at real books, which I know people don't do enough anymore. And like if members of the Illuminati are listening right now, can you guys please just get a decent website? <laughs> I just want something that I can go like, let me go click on the plan. I'll even turn off my, uh, my, my proxy things that keep the cookies from showing up. I just, I just want to know and I just want, you know, if you're in charge of so much, just take on one more responsibility and that would be a decent website. Speaking of weird energy and fantastic <laughs> segues, we hope that we have, uh, we, we hope that we've explained a little bit, uh, of David Icke's origin story, the controversies and the things he believes, his supporters, his opponents and his critics. Uh, we'd also like to hear from you. So let us know what you think. Is there sand to David Icke's theories? Is he, um, is he on the money about some stuff? Is he absolutely wrong about everything? Is he exploiting people? Is he being exploited? Any of the questions that we brought up today. And especially if you want to get into one of the specific beliefs or ideas that exists in one of the what, 10 books that are available now on his website or hundreds of videos on the YouTube channel. There's so much there. We want to talk with you about it. Well, what do you say we, uh, we get some listener feedback via the, uh, the old shout out corners. First message comes from Grace, who says, My late grandfather was an NSA codebreaker at Fort Meade during the 50s and 60s, but for obvious reasons, he didn't talk about it until much later in his life. He passed on a few years ago, and while he never gave away any top-secret info, one story will always stick with me. One day he was filling in for a co-worker, breaking foreign codes like a boss, when he intercepted and deciphered intelligence coming from the Russians, i.e. their line of defense on the Chinese border. Hmm. Well, China had no idea until the United States informed them, giving them enough time to respond to Russia's advances. He quite humbly believed that finding this piece of intelligence was the first step towards improved relations between China and the U.S., while I can't confirm that Grandpa was right about that, I've always enjoyed the story, and I thought you guys might like it too. Well, that's awesome. You know, thank you uh, for writing in. It sounds like uh, your grandfather was very good, very humble person. Um, 
Yeah, that story that's sticks cool. with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, we, we so often forget that one person really can make an astonishing difference for good or for ill. And also that the NSA is doing work. Uh, with, with, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times when I think about the NSA, I have negative thoughts about it because of all the internal, well, in internal spying and all the things that are in the news and in the zeitgeist. But then you remember, oh yeah, they are actually doing their best to stop bad things from happening, uh, everywhere on the planet. Hey guys, check out the sweet 32nd degree Mason certificate that a buddy of mine sent. Belonged to his grandfather. Whoa. Nice, yeah. It's a legit one too. Pretty cool, huh? Are you gonna post it on Instas? I don't know. I'm, I, 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 if I could, if I blur out the names, I think that'd be okay. Um, I'll ask. Okay. Friend of the show, Wesley. It's not an official shout out, but it's a preliminary pre shout out. Okay. It's a wave. Mm-hmm. It's a wave before you say something. A wink and a nod. Who's next? Next we have a shout out for Andrew. Are these shout-outs for people or from people? I don't know. They're What's the nature? And to two. You're yeah. shouting out to Andrew. So a shout-out to Andrew from Andrew. We go both ways. It's a two-way street here on stuff they don't want you to know. Um, hey, guys. I work in a hotel. Uh, oh, and by the way, this is uh, re the Elisa Lamb episode. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, I work in a hotel by the Philadelphia airport. Every guest had to go through a lobby, and there were a minimum of three cameras that could see each guest walking in. Uh, my question is, where are the door videos to see what other people walked in or may have been in the lobby of the hotel? If the hotel is so seedy, then wouldn't they have more videos of the hotel? I don't know, not necessarily, right? I mean, if it's like a low rent joint, maybe they're getting by on the minimum security. I mean, that's yeah. part of what makes mm-hmm. it see. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If you've got videos in uh, in the elevator like that, you've definitely got some more CCTV cameras somewhere. And That's a good point. If you have an inside the elevator shot, there's going to be something in the hallway. There's going to be at least a canful in, in, the, the, front in the lobby for sure. Yeah. But they don't have to give us that footage. They, right. they released this, thing. you know. I mean, they released this of their own volition to mm. kind of probably in a way give a sense of like, okay, there was something up with this girl. We were not at fault. We did our job. We were doing something. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's a great question, Andrew. And that got me, that got me thinking as well. And I'm, I'm kind of on the same page with my compatriots here. I I think they just, the LAPD just chose what to release. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Threw us a bone, you know? Um, I am not usually that guy, but I am probably of the three of us uh, was the most creeped by that episode and feel like maybe there was some serious potential for some some spell work, some weirdness. But I also think that between the three of us, we had the sense that there could have been some amount of covering up going on uh, as to how what led this young woman to be where she ended up um, meeting her end so tragically. So. Uh, yeah, I think the fact that only that one camera was released mm-hmm. was trying to place the blame on the victim. And we uh, we should also take a moment to thank not just Andrew, thank you, Andrew, but all the uh, people who wrote in uh, in the hospitality industry who mm-hmm. were telling us stuff about how this works. Uh, uh, we had some great information about what hotel liability is. Yep. Uh, and I, uh, I won't see your name on the air, my friend, but, uh, the, the person who wrote to us and said, 
well, you know, uh, I'm in the UK and at our hotel, we often get ladies mm-hmm. who walk up and just go to a guest room. Yeah. And bad things happen sometimes. Right. And to what degree the hotel is liable. We'll, we'll, uh, follow up with some of that in the future. In the meantime, our, our very last shout out for today, uh, we're not sure if this is Kate or Katie, but hi, uh, we'll, we'll go with, uh, only because it's spelled K-A-Y-T-E, yeah. which really would <laughs> allow yeah. you to pronounce it both ways depending. Well, we're hooked on phonics, kids, so we'll we'll try for Katie. It's a reading cool. rainbow. <laughs> um, Katie says, my name is Katie. I live in southeast Ohio with my 15-year-old son who is on the autism spectrum. We don't have television or internet other than my phone. I stumbled onto your podcast and my son comes out to listen to you. He laughs and he smiles. He shares comments with me and we talk for hours on your topics. He loves listening to you and he is excited to see what he finds this is the land that time forgot on purpose and my son and i are both thinkers another note i love that you are open-minded i am a practicing pagan on a wiccan path and the lack of immediate judgment is a breath of fresh air finally i listened to one of your live broadcasts regarding the advancement of technology in our world you've addressed how it is becoming more likely that people will integrate technology into self and life my thought is has anyone taken the darker side of human nature and the likelihood of any small portion of the population going the other way. Hunters, gatherers, human prey to the technically improved preying on the weak. I mean, I think if you want to see an example of that in pop culture, look no further than Black Mirror. We bring it up all the time, or at least I do. I'm hooked on the thing. Uh, Charlie Brooker, who is the creator of the show and is also kind of like a, I guess you call him a media critic. He sort of looks at the zeitgeist and does a really good job of like pulling out tropes and trends mm-hmm. and things that have happened. Um, he's very funny, uh, but he also clearly has a dark streak. Yeah. And that show to me is all about the dark side of technology. You know, we focus on how it improves our lives, how it makes us, you know, more connected, whereas this show talks more about the hidden uh, flip side of all of right. this technology and how in many ways it makes us more disconnected and alienated and alone and scared and makes enemies of friends. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I really recommend uh, you checking that out, not for your son. I wouldn't think it's got some very intense themes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's a, it's a very very well done show. Yes, on and, Netflix. And and further, I would go even even further uh, with the question, KT, which uh, you talk about the the possi- the the bad possibilities. Black Mirror is a great example of various dystopian possibilities in the very near future. How are the technologically uh, technologically advantaged not already preying? On people. Totally. You know what I mean? Like how, how is someone from a wealthy country with all these amazing things at their fingertips not in some way participating in exploitation of people who live in countries that suffer resource extraction? Just to get the rare earth minerals. Right, right. Or, you know, there's a, there's a reason that the banana wars happened and it wasn't for any highfalutin ideal about human rights, no matter how it was packaged for the masses. And it's so easy to forget that even the least of us in this country, you know, who might consider ourselves lower middle class, we probably still have smartphones. You know, we probably still have an internet connection. We have access to these things. And we sometimes forget that other countries and people who are much, much, much Mm. worse off than we are just don't. 
and and you know it, it's I guess first world problem kind of thing, hmm. right? Where it's like, well, I, I want the nicer smartphone or I want the faster internet connection. But I mean, we are so absurdly privileged that it, at times it's a little dizzying. And it's and it, it people can live in such bubbles. The way that technology that could unite us tends to make the species sort of divide. It, you have to wonder if that's purposeful or if that's just a sad effect of our. Um, group psychology, but um, and you know another example is Gattaca. That's a pretty good mm-hmm. example, right? Where right, where if you've got the money, you can afford to pay for the gene yeah. therapy, for lack of a better term. I guess it's really more gene manipulation. Yeah, yeah, and then the sorry, spoiler, spoiler oh, about Gattaca from nineteen ninety three. Spoiler about Gattaca. That's not really like a. Sp- no, it's no. in the trailer. It's in the trailer. <laughs> it's in the tagline of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Okay, thank you for writing in, everyone. And this concludes. This also concludes our episode, but it does not conclude our show. We not yet. Not yet. Well, I guess it depends on what happens, right? Uh, we will be back. We'll be back next week, but we will be online all the time you can find us on facebook and twitter and instagram we are conspiracy stuff on the first two and conspiracy stuff show on the third one one last thing before we get out of here we will be in brooklyn new york at the bell house on april 8th that's this year april 8th we have a show there with the majority report with sam cedar for the nyc Podfest. we will be live we will be podcasting in your face and you will be right in front of front of us you should come out it's uh, it's, it's not, gonna be extreme. It's gonna be so extreme, not that expensive, and so much fun. We because we'll get to hang out. Take a date. We'll we'll make you look good. Too. And we're even we thinking about uh, doing a little a little meetup. So if the thought of kicking it with Ben and Noel and Matt, I just referred to myself <laughs> by my first name, as though I were some kind of king. Spelled N O L L, by the way. Not 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 true. Yes. We, we, Spelled K N O W, as in the grassy. Degrassi Degrassi Oh god I don't even remember Where I was going Hey we were were talking about How people should let us know If they want to hang out Let us know they want to hang And you know If you want to do it Via social media channels That doesn't pop your bubble You can write to us At that same email address We always say Conspiracy At howstuffworks.com Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.